we're going to go into uh, forgiveness again this week. I think this is the last part of this. Um, to say forgiveness is important is an understatement by far. Uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at forgiveness from God's perspective, and, and one of the main points was forgiveness isn't a man-made idea to help us feel better when we mess up. Forgiveness was birthed in the heart of God. He knew we would fall. He knew we'd fail. He knew we were going to mess everything up. Like the VBS song, right? Sin messed everything up. He knew that was going to happen, but because the Father wanted a family, uh, he chose to create mankind anyway, knowing that. So in order for us to truly be family, he had to make us holy and righteous just like he's holy and righteous. So be part of the same family. And if you don't know that he did that yet, you need to stick around and read Ephesians 4.24 for one, but you need to know that he made you righteous and truly holy when you were born again, recreated in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. Another message than from today, but in order to make you part of your, his family, he had to cleanse you, he had to wash you, he had to uh, cause you to be clean, and that, part of that was because he forgave you of everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. I paused for an amen there. Because um, if you don't know that's true yet, you need to know that it's true. Because last week I talked about how if we don't believe we're forgiven, we're not going to grow spiritually. It isn't going to happen. You can go to church every Sunday morning and night, every Wednesday night, and any time through the week for special meetings or prayer meetings or vowel meetings, whatever, and you're not going to grow at all if you don't believe you're forgiven. I showed it to you in the Word last week. It isn't going to happen. You're going to be barren, unfruitful. Uh, we looked at how our sins have been forgiven, past, present, future. I showed you that from the Bible. And how the natural reciprocation of our forgiveness should be, we should be able to forgive other people. Amen? And if you're having trouble forgiving other people, then you need to receive the love of God and receive the forgiveness of God so you have some forgiveness to give away. But if you don't believe you've been forgiven, how are you going to give it away to somebody else? Like, well, I can't do that. You're going to compare yourself to what grandma did or what grandpa did or what Susie did or what your sister did. No, it, doesn't, it isn't compared to what they did. It's compared to what Jesus did. Amen? We're not called to be normal. We're called to be super normal, supernatural. Amen? And it's a supernatural love. So today we're going to, be def- we're going to define what forgiveness is, what it is and what it isn't, and some practical application on how to put it into your life. Because to say this is important is an understatement. I would say the number one spiritual warfare surrounded in your life is surrounded by in the area of bitterness and unforgiveness. The number one. We think it's so, just so normal, we don't necessarily recognize it as spiritual warfare. No, the devil wants you to be bitter, because guess what? If you're bitter, he has a stronghold, doesn't he? Is what the word said when you're praying at nighttime, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Remember one time I was angry with Holly over something, we had a little disagreement. It was probably my fault. I'll say that from here anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I was like, she goes, well, you know you got to forgive me. I said, I know, but it ain't dark yet, so I got a little bit of time to work this out. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the model. The model is, you know, of course, forgive right away. But just being real, sometimes we do get, like, hard-hearted and stubborn over the stupidest little things. I remember mom and dad telling me their first argument they had when they first got married was over which way to roll the toilet paper off the roll. And it wasn't, of course, wasn't, I'm sure, not a really big fight, but I mean, it was just something stupid. Which way you squeeze the toothpaste and stuff like that. Stuff that doesn't even matter at all, right? But uh, if the enemy can get a foothold... 
if he can cause some division, friction, because they didn't pick up their underwear, didn't pick up their socks, didn't do this, and he asked them to make the bed, and if he can get a foothold into your home, into your family through friction and marriage, guess what? He's going to try to do it. So the number one spiritual warfare isn't like these big demons coming to your house with wings flapping and trying to spook you and scare you. It's going to be bitterness and unforgiveness. Bitter against your spouse, against your family, your parents. It's going to try to make you be bitter. So uh, forgiveness is, uh, is essential to our Christian life in forgiveness, our forgiveness. We, when you get to heaven, one of the things I think he might ask you is, did you learn to forgive? Because guess what? It's not normal to forgive. It's normal to be bitter. It's natural to get, well, you punched me in my face, I'm going to punch him back. He did that to me, I'm going to do that back to him. That's what he, he gets what he gets. And I guess what? With Jesus, there's another whole kingdom mentality that he wants us to have, amen? We need to repent for that old way of thinking. So if we don't receive forgiveness, if we don't give it away, we will never really understand, experience all that God has for us. You know, you can, you, can, you can really sing the songs and it feels good on Easter or it feels good on Christmas, but through the week and through the year, do you know that you're still forgiven and you're saved by grace through faith? You're justified freely by his grace. Do you know it? Have you, are you forgiven or have you forgotten? So unforgiveness will affect every area of our lives. It will affect your emotional health. It will affect your peace of mind or your mental health. It can affect your physical health, and it will definitely affect your spiritual health. So again, it's important. Forgiveness is central to our Christian life and experience. So let me show you an example of this from James 5, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. We still do that, by the way. It's in the Bible. It hasn't changed. We still do that. Amen. Uh, and the prayer offered in faith will make this. Oh, 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 there's that healing anointing kicking in. <laughs> the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. It doesn't say sometimes. Amen. Amen. Come on now. I need, some, I need some soul in here. All right. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's something that you need to hear every Sunday. Not you're a measly sinner, but that your prayers are powerful and effective. Amen? Powerful and effective. That's what the devil doesn't want you to know, but the power of your prayer life. So it says we have a connection here, forgiveness and physical healing. If, if they've sinned, doesn't mean every sickness came from sin, but if they've sinned, it says they'll be forgiven. Okay, so there's a connection there. Uh, and therefore, it, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that doesn't mean you just walk up to everybody and tell them, well, guess what I did in middle school? Guess what I did? That, that, that's, that's, the, that's the spirit of dumb. All right, that's not, that's not what he's talking about. It's if you sinned against somebody, you sinned against them, you need to go to them and say, you know what? When I did that, when I said that, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's confessing your sins one to another. It's not telling the whole neighborhood what's going on in your family life and personal life. It's going to the one you've offended and asking them to forgive you because you were wrong. We're going to make mistakes, right? But it takes a, a bigger person and a strong person in Christ to, to ask for forgiveness. So, um, so there's a connection with confession of our sins, forgiveness, and healing all connected there. 
I'll tell you this story. When I was in Bible college, when I first started seeing God heal, heal people, when I prayed for them, I think I'd only prayed for two or three people that had been healed at that time, and it was pretty awesome. I was learning, didn't know much about it, but I just know uh, it was super cool to see God heal somebody. So we are at this church in New York, and uh, I think Holly was, I think, in the choir at the time or something. They called it the chorale choir, and, and I was just there because she was there. And so, um, but anyway, um, there was a guy in the chorale team. He was a senior, and I was, a, I think, a junior. And uh, he was supposed to sing, but he wasn't going to go up. He was feeling sick. And so I felt like the Lord said, go, go over and talk with him. He was older than me. He was married. I, I had children. I was 20, I think. And uh, so I just, I, I said, do you need prayer for something? He goes, well, I'm not feeling good. I feel like I'm going to be sick. I just, I'm not going to go up there and sing today. I was like, okay, well, would you mind if I prayed for you? He goes, no, go right ahead. So I was starting to pray for him. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm remembering James 5. This is what we just read about confessing your sins to each other. And I said, so do you have any sins? This is not an exact model of what I said earlier, but it just, I just, I just, what I felt, like I said, didn't have training, but I just said, uh, do you have any sins you need to confess before I pray for you so you'll be healed? And uh, I wasn't expecting him to say anything, honestly. I was, I took all the faith I could muster just to say that to this guy who's older than me. And uh, he said, actually, I do. He said, when my wife goes to bed, sometimes at night I watch stuff on TV I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to watch. And it's dirty and perverted, and I, I, I do it, and I don't want to, but I just, I, I feel terrible, but I do that sometimes. I was totally stunned. I hope my face was a poker face. I don't know if it was or not, but I, I was not, I didn't see him that way. I didn't know. I had no clue. So anyway, I'm like, well, let's pray about it. Ask God to forgive you. And so we did. He asked God to forgive him, and instantly his stomach stuff went away, and he, he walked up on stage and sang with the rest of the team. So there's multiple applications in this, but there's a connection with forgiveness and healing. And Jesus made this connection with forgiveness and healing in Matthew 9. Matthew 9, 2 through 7. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man laying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. See the connection, healing, and forgiveness. Okay, To Jesus, there was no difference. So what's easier to say? Be healed or be forgiven? I mean, it's the same probably amount of syllables. I didn't count them out, but it's not much difference there, right? To God, there's no difference. And in the Greek, it's the same Greek word that means saved, healed, and delivered. So there's definitely a connection with forgiveness, which is central to our Christian experience and is also a reason why the enemy wants you to be bitter about your life. If you would have done this differently, if he wouldn't have made this decision, if this wouldn't have happened, if that didn't happen, then my life would have been here. If my dad would have been this guy's dad, if my mom would have been this person's mom, then my life would be here. If I had more money, then I would be living like this and I had this going on. And what we do, we get bitter and not better. We start grumbling and complaining about what we have and not thankful for what we have. And the attitude of gratitude is what's going to bring the presence of God and his blessing in your life, not grumbling and complaining about, oh, it's me and what could have been. God, it doesn't matter if you start in the sewer. It matters what you, what you, what's in your heart. And God can bring you to the very top as we, as we praise him. So what is forgiveness? 
Webster's Dictionary says that forgiveness is the act of forgiving someone of something or something. I'm like, wow, that's so profound. I'm like, I'm like, wow, thank you for the help, Webster. I don't think it's very helpful when they use the same word to define the word when I'm trying to figure out what it means. I was like, that was very good. So then they go on to say that forgiveness means to stop feeling angry towards someone who has done something wrong. So I can see this as a possibility, but does that mean just because you stop feeling angry towards somebody that you've forgiven them? No, I don't, I don't think so, because they could be dead. I mean, I mean, you might not see them in a while. I mean, it could be the out of sight, out of mind thing, and you just haven't seen them, so you haven't had a chance to think about when we hear their name come up all of a sudden, like, mm, all those feelings come back up. Well, guess what? You haven't forgiven them yet. If you hear someone's name and you feel skin crawling up the back of your neck or whatever, your hairs start going up, guess what? There's a good sign right there you probably haven't forgiven them the way God wants you to forgive them. Are you here? Okay, so to stop feeling anger towards someone doesn't necessarily mean you've truly forgiven them, does it? This is a heart thing, not a, not a head thing. So forgiveness is more than just choosing to ignore it and to stop thinking about it anymore. True forgiveness is going to involve our hearts. I'm telling you, from one who's been on both sides of this, and at least on some areas of forgiveness, it's better from the heart because it's real. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 35, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So our heart needs to be involved in this process. It's not just this head, well, I chose to forgive them. I am not thinking evil thoughts about them anymore. At least most of the time or some of the time, or whatever, until they do something else, right? Our hearts need to be involved in this process, because guess what? Forgiveness is supernatural. Some of it's easier than others, of course. Depends on what they did. But we need God's help to forgive. So, uh, since forgiveness of sins is God's idea, not man-made, maybe we should look at what God says forgiveness is and what he says it looks like for our definition and not in modern translations of things like today's society wants to change the meanings of words for their agenda. Uh, I just think, I wonder if we haven't done this in the area of forgiveness and make it into this mental decision when it's supposed to be a heart issue. And they wonder, why am I still bitter? Why am I still angry? Why am I still, why is all these things still going on in my life? Why am I this and that? Well, guess what? If there's bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, there's going to be every evil practice in that, and in that. And envy, striving, bitterness, it's going to be every evil practice going to be there. So let me give you another definition of um, forgiveness. This is from Rodney Hogue's book on forgiveness. He says, forgiveness means that you must release what you are owed and not give your offenders what they deserve. Forgiveness isn't saying that you aren't owed something. Forgiveness acknowledges the debt, but you are choosing to cancel it. This is the essence of forgiveness, releasing the other person's indebtedness to you. So we can see Rodney's definition of forgiveness in, from the message in the scriptures we shared last week, but the parable of the king, that the man owed the king 10,000 talents. Remember? Most of you guys were here, I think which was equivalent to 60 to 100 million days wages or 164,384 years this guy would have had to work to pay back that debt. But yet the man begged him and said, give me, give, be patient, I'll pay you back everything. The guy wasn't going to live 164,000 years. He had no, no idea about his debt. But then another man, this, this guy's servant, owed him 100 denarii, which is like $20. So both men owed money 
one owed quite a bit more than the other one. But the king was willing to cancel this huge amount of debt that was owed to him. But this man wasn't willing to cancel this little bit of debt owed to him. He wanted the $20 more than he wanted to forgive. And uh, he, could, he just couldn't let it go. He, want, he wanted back what was owed to him. He thought the $20 was some kind of help him get further in his life. He just got forgiven of you know, multiple millions of dollars. If I just had this $20 and now I'm going to be further ahead in life. No, you're not going to be. Not that way. But in the end, it led to his own torture and torment. So in this parable, Jesus connects or relates forgiveness with canceling of a debt. And this has actually helped me to forgive people. Because at times when people have done, said, or whatever, or not done something or whatever, I can just say, you know what? It's just 20 bucks. I can let that go. It's just a happy meal or a sad meal or whatever meal. It's just, it's just 20 bucks. I can let it go. I don't, ha- I don't have to be bitter. I don't have to be. You don't have to be. Amen? Amen. So uh, Jesus actually taught this same principle in, our, in the Lord's Prayer, didn't he? Yeah. Matthew six twelve. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What was he teaching them there? He was teaching them how to pray. But he was teaching them how to pray. He was also teaching them how to forgive. Because there's a connection with your prayer life and your forgiveness life. If, you're, if, you're, if your forgiveness isn't up to date, it's going to hinder your prayers. Amen. The Bible says that. I don't know if you've read that or not. I'll show it to you. First Peter 3, 7. This is mostly talking to husbands, but I think it applies to everybody. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may, be, may not be hindered. So this scripture addresses husbands on how we should treat our wives. And it does say they are the weaker vessel, meaning they are physically weaker, but it doesn't imply even a little bit they are spiritually weaker. It implies they're equal, uh, the spiritual gift of life. Amen? Did you, you see that? Okay, so how we treat them, how we speak to them, is going to potentially hinder your prayers from being answered. Which, since you're married, it's going to hinder her prayers from being answered if you're praying about the same thing. Right? Are you guys okay? You guys never fought before? So, uh, because when there's dishonor, there's misunderstandings, there's offense, and there's hurt, uh, harsh words are probably going to follow at some point. Man, you think I'm at church or something here. Like, like come on. I, I'm, we're not going to pretend, right? We've all had fights with our, if you're married, you've had a fight or said something you regret with your spouse because you're human. But God is saying, you want my help? You do your part to fix your family, and I'll do my part. Fix the relationship. Be reconciled. Treat your wife with honor and understanding. Treat her as an equal heir of the gift of grace, and th- things will work out differently for you. Amen? People want to lord it over them as the head of the household. Jesus said it's not so in the kingdom. Jesus didn't lord it over anyone. He didn't lord it over disciples and boss them around. They served him and helped him, and he was serving and helping them. Okay? They are equal of of the gift of grace of God. So, guys, how we treat our spouses will hinder our prayer life. And it will hinder theirs. Galatians 5, 6 says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Our faith will work right when our love is working right. Okay? Your faith will work right when your love is working right. 
But that's why this bitterness and unforgiveness thing is so important. It's going to affect your prayer life. It's going to affect your emotional health, your physical health. It can affect every part of you. And that's why the enemy wants you to be bitter. That's why it's a spiritual warfare attack. And these thoughts of, you know why they said that? Do you know why they did that? You know why they stopped talking when you walked into the room? Guess what? That's the devil. That's not a gift of discernment. You want to know what they're saying, walk up and ask them. Were you guys talking about me? <laughs> and if you do that enough time, they're going to talk about you. So, but, um, but when our love is flowing the way it should, our faith in our prayer life will be unhindered. You don't have to turn your love off because someone's mean. You don't have to turn your love off because your husband or spouse, your neighbor, your aunt, uncle, cousin had a bad morning, woke up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever way you want to say it. You don't have to turn off your love. You don't have to answer evil for evil and bad for bad. You can overcome evil with good. Amen? Uh, so we must remember that people that we are treating disrespectfully are God's children. And God loves his children very much. So if you want to get on God's bad side, Start treating his children poorly and watch what happens in your life. Amen. I am not saying this to scare you. I'm just saying he is a jealous, passionate lover of people. Oh, yes. And you talk, look at what it says about how you, you, you treat the widow like this. And I'm coming after you. I know it's the Old Testament, but it helps me illustrate that better. If you treat the widow poorly, I'm coming after you. You do something to one of the orphan kids, I'm coming after you. He said, don't do that. Don't move the boundary lines. Don't do this. Don't do that. All those things. Don't, don't treat people. What's he saying? Don't treat people dishonestly and evil because God doesn't like it. Yeah. So when you start talking about people uh, poorly, God's not behind you going, amen, preach it, brother. Right? He's saying, hey, 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 hey. I don't talk that way about you. Why are you talking about that way about my kid? That's my son right there. I know you're seeing. I know you're seeing stuff that they're doing, saying right now. But you don't see yet what I still see. But his future is calling his destiny. Speak life over him. Don't speak death over him. Amen. So relationships are important to Jesus. Reconciliation is important to Jesus. It's very important to Jesus, and he modeled this for us and taught us this in Matthew five. He said, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. So Jesus here prioritizes reconciliation over your offering. The offering is still important, but reconciliation is more important. This is something you can't just pay your way out of. You can't just write a check and just pay, you know, and everything's going to be good and goes away. Now, this is actually something that's going to take effort on your part to go to somebody because you know they have odd against you or vice versa and try to work it out and, and have reconciliation there. This is so important to God. He said, don't, don't bring your offering. Go fix this first. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Actually, I'm not preaching. I'm just reading. I mean, I didn't come up with this stuff. I'd rather, if in my flesh, I'd rather do it the other way. Well, boo-hoo to you. Well, I don't like you either. Well, you know, whatever. Everyone has flesh, right? But if you want to do it God's way, um, you need wisdom on this too. Just because you have a tiny little pebble in your shoe of a fence to somebody doesn't mean you got to go to everybody over that. That, that. that wouldn't be wisdom. But if the Holy Spirit leads you to something to make it right, 
Don't be so stubborn and prideful that you can't make it right. Because it's for your good. So um, Romans 12, 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So there is a little clause there. If you're a lawyer or something, you probably notice the ifs and stuff like that. Uh, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. So it is possible most of the time, and some of the time it's not possible because there are certain people, they're bitter, they're offended, they're hurt, they're wounded, they're whatever, and they're not willing to let it go yet. So sometimes it's not possible that it doesn't give you an excuse to not try. You're like, well, I know them. They're, they're, they're this, 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 and this, this, so I'm not even going to try. Mm. All of a sudden, now you're their judge? Because the very same one you thought might not forgive might forgive you easily, and the very person you think that would forgive you easily might not forgive you at all. And you can't control that. So this isn't something we should assume. This is something we should pursue, doing our part to try to make it right, as far as it depends on us, and then we leave the results with God. Because some of them, they might take them a week or two weeks, might take them two seconds to forgive. Oh, I thought, I, or they or they've forgotten all about it or whatever. There's different scenarios going on here. But the point is, if we want to be like Jesus, we have to forgive. Amen. And we have to be good at it. Amen? Yeah. So uh, there, this is where there needs to be effort when it, when it comes to forgiving people because you're going to have to have awkward conversations sometimes. You know that time we were driving to Asheville together and we got into an argument about something? Yeah? Well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said this or said that. I had that actually exact thing happen. I hadn't thought about that. And while well, it was another pastor and we got fighting over political stuff and arguing about this and that and whatever. And it, it, it definitely went further than it should have. And I had to call him the next day and say, you know what? I was out of line. I went too far. I was pushed too hard. Like, he had a different perspective that I didn't appreciate. <laughs> I really didn't. And he didn't appreciate my perspective either. But, you know, at the same time, we're still brothers. And so I asked him to forgive me, and he, th he thanked me for, for that. So um, an important factor in the area of forgiveness process is recognizing that we have been hurt and offended. You are not Superman. You are not the man of steel. You are not the Teflon man where it just bounces off you and just goes down your heart and it doesn't hurt. No one is like that, okay? You can make your heart, your heart really hard, but that isn't going to glorify God. It isn't going to help you forgive either. So when you've been offended, we will feel like this person owes us something. And this actually helped me knowing this, to, relating it into a, a currency almost. And so we might feel like they owe you an apology for broken promises or for judging you or being stubborn or mean or whatever it was. They, they, they owe you an apology. You might feel that way. You might feel like they owe you remorse for things left unsaid or undone, what could have been. You might feel like they owe you some gratitude, appreciate, appreciation for your helping them or serving them or doing stuff in their life. You might feel like they owe you an explanation of why they said what they said and did what they did. Why don't, you need to explain this to me. Why did you do that? Why did you, you might feel like they owe you that. It may not, they may not feel like they owe you anything. They might not feel like they owe you the time of day. So uh, they, might, they might owe you money. And so that's a thing you're going to have to work out or cancel. You might feel like they owe you respect or honor, quality time. But whatever the issue 
of injustice was, when we are offended, we will feel the person owes us something. So if you can take some time and pray and ask Holy Spirit, what do I feel like they owe me? Once you can, because re- the, when the emotional thing's going on, it feels way bigger than you sometimes. But when he summarizes it into a word, you feel like they owe you an, an apology. You feel like they owe you an explanation. They owe you money, whatever it is. When you hear from God what they owe you, it's much easier to take it and cancel it once you can put it into those words. That makes sense? So, um, so let me share a few lies people believe about forgiveness. Lies believed about forgiveness is that time heals all wounds. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, Rodney Hogue told this story when he was here years ago about um, he was a pastor in a church in Texas and this lady came in one day th- during the week and she asked for prayer. She was having really bad back pain and she was prayed for by him and some other staff that were at the church praying and didn't really seem like it was making any progress and he just felt prompted to ask her about her husband. So he says, uh, tell me about your husband. She goes, well, I'm not married anymore. I was married, but we got divorced several years ago, 25 years ago, actually. And um, she goes, well, you've you forgiven him then for all that hurtful, painful things you went through? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was 25 years ago. I, I forgive him. That's water under the bridge. So he said, well, then you won't mind if I lead you in a simple prayer of declaration to forgive him and releasing this debt that he owes to you. Well, then for the next 10 minutes, she went on this rant and railing about this guy was just miserable, no good for nothing, whatever other words she used. Uh, picked off, he's out running around with this woman, and that woman's wasting all this money while I was working three jobs trying to pay the bills. He wasn't giving us any child support. Went on for 10 minutes about how much she hated this guy. She said, uh, uh, she said I will never forgive him. Now, just before that, she said she had forgiven him. So, so much for being over it. And 25 years later, so eventually Rodney talked to her, ministered to her for a while, and she was able to forgive and release the debt, and her back was healed. But I'm telling you, the unforgiveness is going to have an impact in your life, emotionally, um, a lot of different ways. So the first one is that, that time heals all wounds. The next one is, I can't be free unless I reconcile with my offender. That might not be true, and it might not be wise. Um, in a family situation, it could be true. In a family situation, it might not be safe. It depends on what happened and who that person is. Uh, reconciliation can mean, mean different things in, this, in the different scenarios, okay? It doesn't mean you're going to uh, always be buddies afterwards and go out and play tennis together or golf together sometime afterwards. It might not look like that, but you can still have your heart clean from all offenses, all right? Um, next one. My unforgiveness continues to punish my offender. I'm telling you, this, this here lie, that's birthed in our heads and our hearts from the devil. The Holy Spirit never spoke this. Hold on to it. Be prideful. Hold on to it. Don't, don't let it go. No, that's, that's not. You're not punishing the offender. Uh, next one. I am still in control when I don't forgive. Another lie and deception. No, you're not. What are you really in control of anyway? You can control release and forgiveness. You can control uh, loving people, but you can't control <laughs> other people. Um, and last one, my offender must repent and feel remorse for me to forgive them. So you're putting this condition on it. If they do this, this, and this, then I'll forgive. But if they don't, then I won't. Well, that's not hurting them at all. It's hurting you. It's like Joyce Myers, I think it was, has said. It's like drinking poison and think it's going to hurt you. I think it's going to hurt them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it isn't going to do that. So questions to think about in this forgiveness thing. What is my offender doing right now? What are they doing? Think they're losing sleep over what they did? I doubt it. 
Are they bothered right now by what they did or said to you? Is your unforgiveness really bothering them? They're probably too dense to even notice, uh, depending on what the situation was or care. Is your bitterness afflicting pain on them and causing them to suffer and pay them back because of what they did? And the answer is no, no, no. Who it hurts is you. It hurts you. And guess what? God loves you so much. He modeled this through Jesus to show us you want to live an abundant life? Forgive like me. And you can put him right on the cross, nails in his feet, his hands, his side, thorn in his head, and he's still saying, he's still practicing forgiveness. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. We often think we are punishing our offender by holding on to the offenses, but in reality, look what happens. We're reading from Matthew from last week, Matthew 18, 32 through 35. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your head. I mean, from your heart. Okay? That's, again, to me, one of the most scariest verses in the Bible. And you are expected, while you're on this planet, to learn how to forgive. It's an expectation. When you get there, you can't say, I didn't know. I say, well, Ryan told you on this. And other people told you before. Like, you know. Like, we, you, we are expected to learn how to forgive. It doesn't always mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that the person didn't do anything wrong to you. If they didn't do anything wrong to you, there'd be nothing to forgive. There'd be no debt to cancel. The fact that there's a debt to cancel is because it means that you had been wronged. But you're going to say, you know what, God, the same way you forgave me, I didn't deserve it. I'm going to cancel that debt that they owe me. It's just 20 bucks. You canceled me, canceled off the 10,000 talents that I owed you. I'm going to cancel this $20 that they owed me. And I'm telling you, that has actually helped me to forgive somebody, even laugh about it, say, oh, well, it's just 20 bucks. And your flesh might still feel like, oh, what a stinking jerk. I can't believe they said that, did that, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? If Jesus wanted to, thank God he's good. He could say that same stuff about us on any given day of the week. He knows us intimately. Every thought before it's even on your lips and in your head, he knows it. All right? So he wants us to be gracious and kind to others like we are, he is to us. So, um, again, unforgiveness will affect your emotional health. It will affect your peace of mind, your mental health. It will affect your physical health. And unforgiveness will affect your spiritual health. So what I'm saying is it's going to affect every area of your life. And that's why it's the number one thing the devil's going to tempt you in is to be bitter. So I'm going to uh, show you just quickly just some steps how to walk out forgiveness. And then we're going to do the same prayer we did last week. Uh, I know one guy said to me, uh, he said, I had a lot more than one person come to mind when we did that prayer last week. I said, I bet you did. <laughs> I usually do too when I'm, when I'm working it out. But I said, just take a picture of the screen, get a copy of the prayer, say your own prayer. There's no magical thing in the prayer. It just covers some different things. And work out uh, your forgiveness of others. Work it out of you. Work out the bitterness out of you. Amen? So steps to walking out your forgiveness. One, who is to admit you were hurt and offended. You got to swallow some pride. All right? Admit it. That ticked you off. 
It's like everyone knows it but you. You've been, you've been moaning about it all week long. And you've just been complaining about it, grumbling about it all week long. I'm not offended. I'm not bitter. Well, tell your mouth that. It sort of sounds like it all week long, right? At abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. Amen? So admit it. Just don't fight it. Just admit you've been hurt and offended. Two, ask yourself, what does he, she, or they owe me? Ask the Holy Spirit, what, what do they owe me? What do I feel like they owe me? That will really help you, that step. Then pray and cancel that debt. And step four, every time you're reminded of that person in a negative way, remind yourself, no, I've canceled that debt. I've canceled that $20. It's, they don't owe me anything. Okay? So this, this will work here in the church, but also works good at your home because you like, like the guy said last week, he had more than one to do, and you might also. But for today, we're going to give you time to do one. If you want to stay longer, do more than one. If you have more than one, it's good. But I'm telling you, your spiritual health is directly connected to your ability to forgive. Now, if I was up here with like Dr. Phil or somebody, I don't know, I guess he's not, not a good example, but Dr. Baker or somebody, I don't know, around here and said, if you do this, this, and this, you're going to enjoy perfect physical health. You'd be like, sign me up, let's do this. And here, the word of God's telling us, yep. it's going to affect your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, and spiritual health. Every part of your life is going to be affected by this. I say this is an important thing for us to learn how to do in practice, amen? You can have the peace that passes all understanding guarding your heart and mind, or you can lay in bed grumbling and thinking of how I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to pay them back. I'm going to do this to that. And guess what? You're going to not walk in the abundant life. You're going to walk in a painful, tormented life. And no one's excluded. So, so there. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'll just let you guys sit for now. You can just ask the Holy Spirit this question. We're going to walk it out. Uh, it's one thing to teach it, another thing to do it. Amen? So let's, if you just close your eyes, repeat after me. Holy Spirit, is there anyone that I need to forgive? Now remember, we're letting Jesus define forgiveness, not our, our brains. If you can put that prayer up on the screen for me. All right, by now you probably got one, two, or more. Or if you're up to date, then you don't have any, and that's good too. But Lord Jesus, I am powerless to forgive. I'm going to say this with me. Lord Jesus, I am powerless to forgive. My flesh wants vengeance, yet I know that it is your will that I forgive. In the same manner that you have forgiven me of all my offenses, I choose right now to forgive my offender. I release so-and-so into your hands. I give up any right to harbor resentment. I turn so-and-so completely over to you and declare your blessing on his or her life. Next one. Give me the grace to renew my mind as I refuse to dwell on the feelings of unforgiveness as they resurface. Bring my emotions into alignment with my choice to forgive. Guide me as I strive to build a stronghold of compassion. Guard my heart so that no root of bitterness can spring up. Thank you for your enabling grace. 
Amen. So again, to say this is important is an understatement. It's the number one thing you're going to experience spiritual warfare over. And it's the number one thing your flesh is going to not want to do sometimes. But it's good for you. And it will help you. And God wants you to do it because he loves you. Amen. Will you guys stand? I want to pray blessing over you. So we read last week, if you have these things, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, an increase in measure, you won't be unfruitful, you won't be unbarren, you'll be useful in the kingdom. So if we, and part of that was from remembering we've been forgiven of all of our sins, amen. So since we've been forgiven, we forgive others. And God, I just bless your children right now. Let them uh, be bountiful with abundant fruit in Jesus' name. The fruit of the Spirit growing and multiplying in their life, growing the grace and knowledge of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, growing the grace of mercy to forgive and release. Let us become excellent at forgiveness, God. Not excellent at pride, not excellent at arrogance, but excellent at forgiveness and mercy to act like you, Jesus. I pray that uh, the love of God would fill their hearts so full that it's overflowing in all of us to give it away to those around us that need it. The person being mean beside you might just be afraid. They might just be hurting. They might be desperate. They might be in a really rough place. And if we just get bitter and offended, we're not going to hear the voice of God to prophetically minister in their life. Guys, God, give us eyes to see ears to hear what you're saying to the church, what you're saying to people around us, that we can love them like you love them and not, um, and not just act like the world. But I bless your children. I thank you for each one of them. May they walk in abundance this week and uh, in the future and today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great afternoon. You guys are dismissed.